1: Dose of Leadership podcast, episode 269.
0: Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to Desert Leadership,
1: episode 269. Thanks for tuning into the show. I am your host, Richard Ryerson. So happy to be with you on your leadership journey. We're all on this journey of becoming the best leaders that we are called to be. It is an obligation, I do believe. Somebody's looking to us right now for influence and guidance. So it's in our interest to learn all we can about leadership. And hopefully, Dose of Leadership is one of the great many resources that you're tapping into along your journey. And today we have a great sage and advisor, student of leadership himself, Bob Vanerick. Bob has been on the show before. He came on in June of 2014. I've talked to his son too. Um, but Bob is just great. He's been a great friend and mentor behind the scenes for me. I can't say enough about this guy. He is the former CEO of five companies, all the way from a startup to a $1 billion New York Stock Exchange company. He's, he's seen it all. And he's written, uh, he came on two years ago to talk about Triple Crown Leadership, which is a great book, one of the best books, I think, one of the best leadership books since Good to Great. And that was what that conversation was two years ago. Now he's coming on to talk, he's got a brand new book that just came out. And I highly encourage that you get this. I got an advanced copy a couple of months ago, and it's been, it's become one of my go-to books. And the reason why, it's called Leadership Wisdom, Lessons from Poetry, Prose, and Curious Verse. And the reason why it's become a go-to, because it reminds me that there's nothing new in leadership. Leadership principles just exist. They've been around since the dawn of man, and Bob does a great job of capturing all this kind of... uh, It's a compendium of timeless leadership wisdom from sages of literature written over the... since really, since man started writings for the past century. Seventy poems he's got in there, prose and speech passages from poets, presidents, activists, soldiers, educators, journalists, CEOs, and even some unknown authors there. And he combines his own commentary, his own leadership experience and practical application so that we can look at what's been written that's been extracted from the centuries and how we can apply it in everyday life it's just a great book and i can't say enough about it and i can't say enough about bob like i said he's just one of the the great um advisors of leadership and he's just a great solid man all around and i'm excited for you to listen to this episode again if you're finding some value and dose of leadership please take the time to subscribe rate and review if you haven't done so Thank you to all those who've left the review on iTunes. It does so much for the visibility of the show. If you can just take a few minutes to uh, leave a a rating and review, let me know what you think of the show. You can also find out more about my speaking coaching services, my masterminds at richardryerson.com. You can learn all of what I have to offer there. So if you're looking for a coach or someone to come to your organization and speak, I'd be more than happy to talk to you about that. And You can learn more. Again at RichardRyerson.com Reach out to me too Let me know when your leadership journey I hear from people every week And I answer every email Email. I love to hear where you're at In your leadership journey Heard from a gentleman who's in Kuwait With his family uh, Doing great things out there And thank you for that email as well Anyway, thanks so much for tuning in And without further ado Here's Bob Vannerick The author of Leadership Wisdom Lessons from Poetry, Prose, and Curious Verse On Dose of Leadership well, it's good to have my good friend, Bob Vannerick, on the show. Bob, welcome back to the show. Well,
2: thank you, Richard. It's a pleasure to be with you anytime.
1: Well, let me just say, too, and I'm, I'm going to embarrass you, but just so that my my audience knows that you've been a great supporter of not only the show, but m- myself personally. I mean, you've been there for me as a mentor and a friend, and I just want to personally can or officially call you out in front of my audience if you are, how good of a guy you are. So you know, thanks for coming on the show and thanks for being a great mentor and friend as well.
2: Well, you're very welcome. You deserve it. And that's what it's all about is paying it forward and giving it back.
1: Yeah. So you, this brand new book that you got coming out, tell us about it. What's it all about?
2: Well, uh, I have been, Writing, I've been a student of leadership my whole life, as you know, and uh, there are lots of books written with new leadership models or uh, fables for who moved my cheese or some CEO <laughs> right. about how how I did it, uh, you know, better than everybody else. Uh, and we don't need any more of those. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. S- and so I've been a student of poetry and and literature my whole life, and as I plumbed back into poetry and prose, I found so much wisdom there. Yep. The of literature have spoken about the essence of leadership for over 2,500 years, and we have a Got a lot to learn from them, so uh, I wanted to write a book that, that that talked about leadership from the point of view of the masters of literature, the poets and prose authors, and other great leaders who've made some speeches and what we can learn from them. So that's what it's all about: leadership, wisdom, lessons from poetry, prose, and curious verse. Yeah, you know, and I,
1: I love it, and it's so, you know so true. And the the, the thing that it brought me back, and I've always I've always believed this, and I've said this from time to time in speeches that, you know, leadership is so easy to understand, but it's, it wasn't invented by anybody. It just exists. And and by you highlighting all of this poetry, this prose and this curious verse, as you said, it it reminded me that, you know, mm-hmm. leadership is, is it just exists. The principles exist. It's been there since the dawn of man, and it's there for our discovery. And that's what's so great about this book and putting it in the, you know, bringing bringing it to light reminded me that it's just there for our taking. We don't have to Sign up for anything or get a degree. We just need to opt in and and learn from all what's been already
2: written. That's so true. That's so true, Richard.
1: So you said poetry. You know, I've never been a fan of poetry, but when I see how you've collected everything, when I look at 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 everything that's that's in front of me here, I mean, from you know Rudyard Kipling to Robert Frost to to Carl Sandburg. I mean, it goes on and on and on. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, it's gave me a a little more. Um, appreciation for poetry. But why poetry?
2: Well, uh, poetry is... It's a medium that touches the soul. Yeah. I mean, the words are so precious. They've been thought through so carefully in many cases. And there's alliteration and there's rhyme and there's metaphor in there. And so I have found that the poets have given so much thought to the mm-hmm. verses that they write that that when the, that when it really resonates, it just touches my soul. So, so poetry, I think, is a very powerful medium to communicate. Communicate to people deep, impactful messages.
1: Yeah, that's the key word is the soul, and you're absolutely right. I think if we can't – if well, once we understand that leadership is about love and it touches – and it really does come from the soul, I mean I, to me that's – that's when you really start to appreciate how deep leadership can be. Cause a lot of times I think you're right. It really is as deep as who moved my cheese, you know, and that's as far as we think about it.
2: You, <laughs> yeah. know? And and, it goes, you know, that was a nice book and I enjoyed it, but I mean, I'm hungry for more cheese. Right. Exactly. I what, want something deeper. Right.
1: It's, it's, it's the deeper part of it. And again, you're right. This isn't a slam against who moved my cheese. It was a good book, but, but yeah, there's, there's something so more. Uh, profound or there's a legacy to leadership that, that we, I don't think we truly appreciate on a day to day basis. And that's why I think that's the big takeaway I got from, from reading some of this is like, Oh my gosh, this, this is, I don't think about leadership deep enough. And I'm a leadership junkie, but even I don't think about it <laughs> deep enough as I should, you know, because it, it goes to the soul and that takes some, that takes a tremendous amount of self awareness and reflection and quiet time, you know, instead of always looking for the next kind of, 10 steps, it's going to make me a better leader. You know, I'm tired of that. It isn't right. So go back to what's already been, been sound and 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 true. And,
2: and, you know, Greg and I wrote a book like that called triple crown leadership. And you had us on the show and we have our five, five steps for how to build an excellent, ethical and enduring organization. And uh, that's been called the greatest book on, leadership since Jim Collins, good to great, but it was time for something deeper. So we got to the soul and poetry and curious verse. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. I don't know what curious verse is. What is that? Well, we've got some wonderful passages in Leadership Wisdom, such as Robert McNeish's Lessons from Geese, you know, (laughs) geese flying in formation and how they rotate the leadership and they help one another and things like that. Or there's a a wonderful passage in the book about dealing with dead horses and what do bureaucracies do to deal with dead horses? You know, they change the rider and they whip the horse harder and they hire a consultant and then ultimately. They promote the dead horse to a supervisory position. Although it's it's really funny, it's like Dilbert cartoons. But but there's a there's a message in there. So mm-hmm. that's what curious verse is. One of my favorites. And if you if you've got the time, I'll quote a couple Absolutely. of stanzas from it. Is uh, Lewis Carroll's Jabberwocky, <laughs> right. which was which was written back in the nineteenth century, and, and it starts out, uh, "Twas brillig and the slithy toves did gyre and gimble in the wabe. All mimsy were the borogoves and the Mom raths out Beware the Jabberwock, my son." the jaws that bite, the claws that catch. Beware the jubjub bird, and shun the frimous bender snatch. <laughs> and then it goes on. <laughs> I mean, these are nonsense yeah. words right. that are just made up. And in the book, uh, Through the Looking Glass, Humpty Dumpty explains to Alice what these nonsense words are. But, but the message of the poem is about the boy who goes out and slays the Jabberwock and comes back to all this frabduous joy. He comes back galumphing, which is another nonsense word, which is galloping in triumph. He's galumphing. Can you just see that? Yeah, exactly. and, and and, And he's just applauded. But the poem ends with the same opening stanza. Twas brillig. And the slithy toves did gyre and Gimbal in the wabe, etc. So, so what does that mean? What it means is that all right, you're the hero. You went out, slayed slayed the dragon. You run a quest, but there's another dragon to slay, and then another dragon. Yeah. You got to go out again. Leadership is not just a, a one-shot deal. You don't just hit the three-pointer from the back court, and th- then it's over. You got to shoot. A- You go out there and slay a lot of dragons. So, to me, this curious verse from Lewis Carroll is about the quest of leadership.
1: I love that. It's so great. (laughs) It's so true because, you know, we talk, and I've talked about this on the show a lot too about this resistance. The professional, it's kind of like, you know, Stephen Pressfield when he's talking about the resistance that the professional goes out and slays a dragon every day and realizes that he has to slay it every day. And that there's always going to be a dragon, right? Oh, I love that. I love how you picked. How did you—I'm very curious, I me, mean, because you've got such an extensive list of people on there. How did you, number one, find all this, and then how did you sort through it?
2: Well, I, I do have an extensive list. I quote from presidents and prime ministers and social activists, the Bible, Native Americans, poets. I mean, I've been a student of poetry my whole life. June and I have been married 53 years and I wrote her poetry when we were in high school together. Oh, really? wow. So I've got books of poetry on my shelf and and then I've been certified by Phi Theta Kappa to teach leadership and uh, their their whole purpose at Phi Theta Kappa is to use the classics of literature to teach, uh, leadership. And, and so that kind of reawakened it. And so when I came out to the Vail, Colorado area after working for 30 years at various CEO jobs and, uh, failing and being successful, um, I wanted to write. And, and, and so I said, um, you know, I think I have to go back into, uh, poetry. So, so that's, so, so I, I took all the books off my shelf. I went on the Internet. I I just started leadership and poetry, and it led to me to so many things. I wanted to get a couple dozen. I've ended up with over 70 in the book, so it's a rich compendium of uh, poetry and prose that has some leadership message. But then I add to it, commentary and practical applications. Right. It's not just a book of poems and you know prose passages. I say, here's what I learned. Here's when I screwed that up. Here's the mistake I made. Or here's when we did something really well that I was working on this premise. And then I give for each of the passages three or four practical applications for what you can do to apply what Shakespeare said or Lao Tzu said or Emily Dickinson said, how you can apply it to your life today. And that's what makes it powerful.
1: Yeah, it does. And I think that that is the reason why I I consider this a go to. I mean, this is going to be a reference f- for me and has been. It's like, okay, let, let me because you break it up too in a in a nice simple, you know, th- basically three parts, you know, leading yourself, leading others and then kind of the transformational leadership aspect or at least leaving a legacy, which yes. is, kind of, is kind of the leadership journey that we all are on whether we know it or not that's really what it is. We got to lead ourselves, lead others. And then at some point we got to start becoming transformational and leaving a legacy. So uh, I love how it's organized that way. And you're right. It's a, and it's a good way to, to kind of bring you back to the soul and to the foundation when you, when you find some of these great, uh, or, or all of the, out of the content here. It's just amazing that you organize. I would just have trouble organizing. It. I'm like, Oh my
2: God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you don't give yourself enough credit. my friend. Come I on.
1: No, but I mean, you know, like the Gettysburg address. I mean, I, I I'm, Read, I've been a fan of that and read it, and it's just amazing how um I can't remember what the statistic I saw was. I was talking to somebody. Oh, so I had Steve Forbes on the show, and we were talking about that and how, like, how many words are in, like, the tax code, right? And there's like so yeah. many millions, you know, and the Bible has, I don't quote me on this, but like maybe 500,000 words or something like that, or 300,000. And then um, it goes on and on in the Gettysburg Address. It's just like there's a minimal amount of words and it's just so powerful, right? You know, it says so much in so few words.
2: Well, the featured speaker before Lincoln gave the Gettysburg Address oh, spoke right. for over two hours. Right. And Lincoln was actually an add-on. He spoke for two a little more than two minutes. Two minutes. Nobody remembers the, the first speaker guy, right. before, But two <laughs> minutes, he just really did it all right there. Yeah. <laughs>
1: but why? Why Gettysburg Address and leaving a legacy? Was it because of that, or because of the the prose in in the the words in the Gettysburg Address about leaving a legacy?
2: No. What I what what I'm referring to there uh, is the fact that it would have been easy for for Lincoln in the midst of this terrible civil war to criticize the founders right. who a hundred plus years before, hundred or so years before had, had whiffed, on slavery. I, I mean they didn't deal with it. They they hoped it would die out over time, and now here we are in the midst of this terrible, brutal civil war with all these brother on brother casualties, so it would have been easy for Lincoln to say they blew it and now I gotta fix it. And he doesn't. He starts with four score and seven years ago, our forefathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. And, And so he's honoring... The goodness that they did. I mean, these founders were amazing men, as we quote, as I quote later on from the Constitution and, and, uh, and the, and the Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independence. And, and so the message here is that don't go out and just dump all over your predecessor when you're the new CEO or you're the mm-hmm. new VP because people followed him or her and likely uh, enjoyed, appreciated a lot of what they did. All right. So now Lincoln transitions to what he has to do to build on their legacy, to say, now we have to address some things, but he didn't dump all over the predecessor. So, so, so the point here is that if you can, I mean, if they're total jerks, fine, you have to do that. But if you can honor the legacy on which you're building build from it, and you'll have a much easier transition. That was the point of quoting the Gettysburg Address. I
1: love that. I love that insight. Again, again, that's what's so great about this book. I mean, it, it gives you perspectives that I wouldn't even have thought of. You know, and that's, you know, and again, I've always been a big fan of the Gettysburg Address, but it was always from, yeah, I, mean, I I never looked at it in that way. So, I love that. You know, what are what are in those three sections, and I'll tell you which ones my favorite are, but I'm curious what your your favorites are, and it's probably like Picking your favorite kid, I guess, but. No, it's hard. (laughs) It's hard, right? I mean, but what are your favorites? Say in the leading yourself first piece, what is your favorite one?
2: Well, um. They're they're all so good, but let me read you, because it's relatively short, uh, Teaching You from Jackson Kiddard, who is an American author who uh, uh, very little is known about him. I think he died about a 100 years ago, about 1901. It's called Teaching You. Anything that annoys you is for teaching you patience. Anyone who abandons you is for teaching you to stand up on your own two feet. Anything that angers you is for teaching you forgiveness and compassion. Anything that has power over you is for teaching you how to take your power back. Anything you hate is for teaching you unconditional love. Anything you fear is for teaching you courage to overcome your fear. And anything you can't control is for teaching you how to let go and trust the universe. Wow. That's awesome. I mean, my, my, oh my, Richard, what wisdom is i mean that's that's eight one two three four five seven lines yeah seven lines of a poem i yeah. mean we talked about poetry touching your soul before and these mm. well crafted well chosen words wow
1: yeah that's crazy
2: and, and nobody even knows who jackson Kidder is i couldn't find out much about him but he's quoted all over the internet wow i like that one I do so too. this is this is about leading yourself first you know, learn learn how to have patience, learn how to have forgiveness and compassion, learn unconditional love, overcoming your fear, and how to let go. I mean, we can't even control ourselves, let alone other people. <laughs> no, right? You know, management is all about control. Leadership is all about inspiration and vision and, mm-hmm. and taking people to a better place. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, just, it's
1: powerful stuff. And it's kind of like, and I'm, I'm so happy you put it in there, too. I've always gone back to. And my favorite, and this is before, even though you put it in the book, but is um, from first Corinthians, you know, oh yeah, 13, you know, you know, love is patient, love is kind. Con- I love that. I mean, and to me, that is the essence of leadership, that whole thing, you know, it, cause it's in every aspect of your life. You, re- you can sit there and say, well, this is, this is how I'm supposed to be as a husband, as a father, as a leader, everything, right? Everything.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
1: What's your favorite in, in that? Part in
2: leading others. Uh, well, there are so many. Um, I know it's hard to pick. probably there's so many good stuff. Here's one that I struggled with for my whole life because I was intense and impatient and and you know demanding. Um, the author's unknown. Uh, it's called Speak Gently. Speak gently. It is. It is better far to rule by love than fear. Speak gently. Let no harsh word mar the good we may do here. Speak gently to the young, for they will have enough to bear. Pass through this life as best they may, Tis full of anxious care. Speak gently to the aged one, Grieve not the careworn heart, The sands of life are nearly run, Let them in peace depart. Speak gently to the erring ones, They must have toiled in vain, Perchance unkindness made them so, Oh, win them back again. Speak gently. Tis a little thing dropped in the heart's deep well. The good, the joy that it may bring. Eternity shall tell.
1: Man, it's just crazy how people can come. I mean, you know, it's just powerful stuff. And like I said, every, every time you hear it, it touches your right deep down in your heart and your soul. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. yeah, it does for me. I get choked up. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard for me to do podcasts and radio shows or <laughs> personal appearances with this because this poetry touches me so deeply. Yeah, uh, and, and it, it just means so much. And I just hope that other people. I mean, some I got to say, poetry. <laughs> I, I, I had Jack Kroll, the former CEO of of DuPont. I interviewed him for our previous book, Triple Crown Leadership, and I called him up. I said, Jack, I want to send you a manuscript of my new book. Would you, would you look at it, and endorse it? And he said, sure, Bob. I'll take a look. So I mailed it to him, an early draft of the manuscript, like I did to you, Richard. Right. And he called me back. <laughs> he said, I got his manuscript, and I said, no way. <laughs> poetry good lord i'm a tough hard-nosed leader you know yeah. i'm a ceo turnaround i was the outside lead director of tyco after all the stuff we had to go through and he said then i read it yeah and i'm telling you bob i'm telling you bob i'm going to send copies to all my adult children and i'm going to recommend to the 10 boards that i sit on that they buy a copy and i'm going wow wow <laughs> I that like is,
1: it. well yeah Well, but it's true though. I mean, because that's why I said, and that's why I said after you gave it to me that it's it's a go-to reference now because it's almost like in one spot I have you know two thousand plus years of if not more wisdom of you know those those principles that just exist. No one no one invented them. These are
2: the universal universal principles. principles. When Stephen, you know, when Stephen R. Covey wrote his first book, The Seven Habits, it wasn't just based on his idea. He went back, just like I did here. He went, he went deeper, probably, but he looked at all the leadership literature for the last three thousand years, and he said, "What are the principles that emerge from this?" And out of that came this wonderful. Fantastic timeless bestseller The seven Habits of highly effective people they 're not stephen cubby 's seven no, habits no, no, no. they 're the timeless principles from the from the masters that that i 'm trying to quote here too.
1: Well, give me another one, leaving a leadership legacy. You talked about Jabberwocky. Is that your favorite one there? Or do you have? Well,
2: it is a favorite because it's it's such a nonsense poem. But, but I think I would, I I would take Dr. Kent Keith's uh, paradoxical commandments. He wrote this when he was uh, a student in college uh, at the age 19. Listen to the wisdom here. People are illogical, unreasonable, and self-centered. Love them anyway. If you do good, people will accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Do good anyway. If you are successful, you will win false friends and true enemies. Succeed anyway. The good you do today will be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Mm -hmm. Honesty and frankness may make you vulnerable. Be honest and frank anyway. The biggest men and women with the biggest ideas can be shot down by the smallest men and women with the smallest minds think big anyway. Yeah. People favor underdogs, but follow only top dogs. Fight for a few underdogs anyway. What you spend years building may be destroyed overnight. Build anyway. People really need help may attack you if you do help them. Help people anyway. Give the world the best you have and you'll get kicked in the teeth. Give the world the best you have anyway. Yeah. Love it.
1: I love it. Yeah. My favorite, I love, and I used to, I opened, I've there for a while. I was opening up, yeah, if I'm talking a general topic about leadership, I would open up with uh, uh, Thomas Paine from the American Crisis. Mm. You know, these are the time that tried men's souls, you
2: know. Oh, yeah. Harder Absolutely. To, that's, harder, that's a great one.
1: Harder to conflict, the more glorious to triumph, right? And, um, yeah. What we yeah. I don't know. There's just so much good stuff in there. And, um, I don't know. So where, what are you doing next with this? Like, why did you write this book aside from, a, a, you know, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to, what are you hoping everybody gets out of this book?
2: You know, I have thought long and hard about my purpose in life and I'm in my seventh decade now. You know, I'm not interested, uh, in going out and coaching and consulting and speaking. I, I have been a student of leadership since I was, uh, playing on the high school football team, uh, in my teens. And all I want to do now is change hearts and minds about leadership. I want to write. I want to speak to wonderful people like you who share my passion for leadership and finding a better way. I want to speak to audiences that are hungry for a better way. Uh, I, I want to just give back. I just want to share what I've learned the hard way. My generation didn't do it so well. We were all about maximizing shareholder value and uh, doing all kinds of things that I've learned over the years uh, don't make sense. Yeah. And so this, this next generation has to do it better. And I want to touch their hearts and minds about it. That's why I wrote this book. And that's it. what I want to do.
1: I love it. And I think if anybody's a student of leadership or interested, you got to get this book. It's a go-to. It has to. You have to. And I think it's because it brings you back to those principles that um, are so tried and true. And I think from speaking from a generational perspective we were talking, I told you I was talking with the one Williams earlier before this interview. And we talked mm. about that and about the millennial generation. And, and I'm very optimistic and I'm, I'm curious about what, you, what your take is on that. Because a lot of times we hear, Oh, this generation is so self-centered and I hate to stereotype because everybody's different, but I've met so many great young Adults who are so passionate about leadership. So
2: passionate I absolutely leadership. categorically reject that this generation um, is different, is self-centered, is all about me, just as I reject that people in uh, communist China – or in Japan or in uh, South Africa are from a different culture and we've got to do things differently there. I absolutely reject that. No, the I work to... that I've done, I mean, I ran five companies as CEO. We had operations in uh, over a hundred countries oftentimes. And I've been around the world lots of times. And for triple crown leadership, we interviewed 61 organizations in 11 countries, including China, India, Japan, um, you know, South America, all over Europe. Um, There are some common values, there are some common principles, Richard, that are universal. And whether it's a millennial or a boomer, whether it's somebody in the depths of communist China or India with all its corruption and caste system, there are certain principles. People want to have meaning in their life. I mean, they want to have their basic needs satisfied. They want to have security and food and shelter, but move up the Maslow's uh, hierarchy there. And people want meaning in their life. They want to feel that they're valued, that they're respected. I mean, I do values work with organizations all over the world and there are probably 15 common words that always come out no matter what country I'm in no matter what generation I'm speaking to Values like integrity or respect or honesty or uh, loyalty or fairness, they always come up. They are universal. So, uh, yeah, you may have to modify a little bit of your behavioral style in China or a little bit of your behavioral style for working with a millennial rather than somebody of my generation. But the common principles from the masters that I'm quoting here are universal.
1: Agreed, hundred percent, and that's why I love what you do because you you' it's spot on, and I can't I can't emphasize that enough. That I think if we, when you, the more that you study leadership, the more that you understand the leadership truth that how well you understand and apply it in your everyday life is going to ultimately decide how significant your life is going to turn out. And then you realize that love is at the root of all this, and that's really the big, t- the big takeaway that I got from from your book that it's all about love. And if you don't understand that then to me I don't think you can call yourself really a leader.
2: Well I quote Marianne Williamson from her book Return to Love. I quote the Dalai Lama who's who's who who takes all religions and reduces them down to two words, love and compassion. Yep. <laughs> so so it's all there, just as it yeah. was in First Corinthians, you yep. know. So love is patient, love is kind, you yeah, know. Yep.
1: I love the book. Great, great job on this. When is the actual official release date?
2: The release date is May 3rd, um, next Tuesday, a week from now. You can pre-order it on Amazon. You have to enter the whole title, Leadership, Wisdom, Lessons from Poetry, Prose, and Curious Verse. I've got a website that uh, has a lot of material, my material on it, background and stuff like that, and information on the book. Uh It's BobVanerick.com, B-O-B-V-A-N. O-U-R-E-K, com. The forward was written by two leadership uh, luminaries who I admire and respect so much, uh, Jim Cozes and uh, Barry Posner, and I was just blown away when I got what they wrote. Yeah. And uh, good it. folks like yourself uh, who got an advance copy have also written nice endorsements, you, Stephen M. R. Covey, a lot of people who I really admire and respect. So comes out uh, May 3rd.
1: Yeah. And I love, you know, Jim is great. And he's another one that's been, he's, he was the first guy that I interviewed. He wasn't the first one that I released, but he was my very first interview. Oh, wow. Show. And so I owe a lot to him. And, uh, he's been a great supporter of this show and a mentor behind the scenes too. And yeah. And I read what he wrote about the book and what a man, what a compliment. That is awesome that he did that.
2: Oh, thank you, Rich.
1: Well, Bob, again, thanks for coming on the show. I'll have links to all of this. And again, I can't emphasize enough how, how, I appreciate you as a human being and a supporter of me and the show, and I'm so grateful that you wrote this book. Thanks for coming on the show.
2: You're welcome, my friend. Good luck and God bless.
0: Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.
2: You've always had what it takes to make it happen. And we know the right tools can make it easier. At Strayer University, we're always thinking about new ways to set you up for success. That's why we give you a brand new laptop when you enroll in a bachelor's program. So you can start off on the right foot and keep striving. Visit stair.edu to learn more. Eligibility rules, restrictions, and exclusions apply. Connect with us for details. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by chef.